Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, the UK's digital TV and technology show. At Frequency Cast, it's our mission to keep you up to date with today's tech, answer your questions, and keep you entertained along the way. Our shows are driven by your feedback. You decide what we talk about, and we'll do the rest. Here's what we'll be looking at today in show 104. Another interesting launch from Apple. A day in the life of an air ambulance. All change for Channel 5's gadget show. Pizza and parcel GPS tracking. Plus your questions on surround sound and sky landlines. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. The headlines now for October 2014. Just as we went to press, Microsoft announced plans for its latest operating system. They're going straight from Windows 8 to Windows 10, skipping Windows 9. This new operating system will run on desktops, laptops, tablets and smartphones, making for a consistent platform. The OS will offer improved multitasking, better search, the option for multiple desktops, such as a home and work desktop, plus the return of an old favourite. The first thing you'll notice is the familiar Windows Start menu is back. And we've tried hard to balance having a super familiar user experience with delivering terrific new improvements. In particular, including a space you can personalize with live tiles for your favorite apps, people, and websites. Those interested in trying it out can take part in a technical preview. I'm Joe Belfiore with the Windows team. We're happy to have you join in our Windows 10 technical preview. We've designed the tech preview so you can see what we're building as we're building it and tell us what you think. Windows 10 is expected sometime in 2015. See the link on our show notes. Next up, not content with making exclusive TV series such as House of Cards, the online content company Netflix is going into the movie making business, releasing the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon to Netflix subscribers. With over 50 million customers around the world, making movies for its subscribers certainly makes sense, as more and more of us are getting our movies and TV online. Next, local TV. We recently reported that London Live has applied to scale back its local content. Well, Ofcom has rejected this request, as it would have substantially altered the station's output. London Live is reportedly disappointed. No news yet on the fate of Birmingham's local TV service as they went into administration before they launched. Next, one to keep an eye out for, the HP Stream 7-inch tablet. This runs Windows 8.1 and is likely to have a £60 price tag, showing that HP and Windows are very interested in getting a chunk of the low-end tablet market. Next, rumours of BlackBerry's exit from the smartphone world are apparently untrue, as they've launched what they call a market disruptor. This is probably the oddest looking phone we've seen, with a square screen, and has been described by one of the more kind reviewers as a difficult phone to love. If you like a challenge, the BlackBerry Passport is available for £530. Talking of phones, apparently Apple has launched the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus as well as quite a few releases of the iOS 8 upgrade. More on this and Bendigate shortly. 
More interesting though was the launch of the Apple Watch, which apparently is due in 2015, with an estimated price tag of somewhere upwards of £220. With the emphasis on health tracking and a conversation button, this actually looks like quite a decent smartphone companion. But with so much competition out there, has Apple left it too late? Let us know. And finally, be prepared to learn a new word. With smartphones increasing in size, the new buzzword is phablet, a phone that's as big as a tablet. To combat this, Alcatel's new phablet, the 6-inch Pop Media, comes with a device called a Buddy, which is smaller and pairs with a larger device. Once paired, it's able to make and receive calls and send texts, without the need to get out the larger phone. Yep, you heard right, they're making phones so big, they need to come with a companion device so that you can make calls without looking like a prawn. That's it, we've finally all gone mad. I think I need to lie down. Thanks, Pete. For more TV and tech news, go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash news or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Frequencycast, now loading. Focus. Frequencycast number 104. Hello, Kelly. How are you? I'm good, Pete. How are you? Not too bad. How's your September been? It's been a bit on the warm side, hasn't it? I think the weather's been so weird this summer. One minute it's freezing, the next minute it's warm. I've just ended up with a constant cold. Bless you. Well, you're sounding good today. Uh, This cold, it's nothing to do with having a bucket of icy water on your head last month, was it? Well, I have to say, I don't think that helped. What's happened with all these bucket challenges? They've all stopped now, haven't they? We had a flurry of about two weeks worth of everyone doing it, and now... I don't think anyone I know has done it for a good long time now. Well, thank God. I don't think there was anyone left, to be honest. It reached a point where my Facebook feed was just challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. And you do end up sitting there just counting down, waiting till it's your turn, don't you? Yes. And who nominated me? Of course I did. You, Pete, you were one of the only people left who hadn't done it. Do you know, I really thought I'd got away with it as well. If it wasn't for you, I would have done. Did you see mine, I'm assuming? I did, of course I did. Did you see mine? Of course I did, it's up on the website. Oh, fantastic. Even more embarrassment. Are we placing money? That'll be back next summer though. Oh, I don't know. They always come up with something new. I'm sure it would be relatively similar, but maybe just a little bit different. You know where my money's going, though? I reckon winter, they're going to do a snow angels challenge. You know, where you lie down and you do the uh, the angel pattern by rubbing your arms up and down in the snow. I reckon someone's going to come up with that as the challenge, if it snows. Oh, I don't know. I reckon it's got to be a little bit harsher than that. Are you volunteering? absolutely not i'm not getting involved again actually after i did my ice bucket challenge i had a cold for a week lost my voice entirely i was an absolute mess it has gone to prove though the power of social media one little idea that has sort of sprung up really went absolutely viral and uh, people were taking it very seriously and hopefully it's raised a a decent bit of money for charity but it uh, leads us nicely on to our second item that we're going to discuss where social media has also gone crazy and that is our good friends at Apple. Oh, yes, I've enjoyed this the last few days. I'm not going to lie. It's been interesting. I have to say, before we dive in to talk about uh, Apple's latest, I saw this on Facebook. Uh, I think I actually got this from uh, the Gadget Show's Facebook feed. Uh, Someone called Sean Gardner said, it's been a really bad week for fruit. 
Blackberry's sales are down. Jason Orange has left Take That. Apple's latest iPhone has gone pear-shaped. And a giant plum forgot his speech at the Labour Party conference. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. So Apple has indeed had a bit of a bad few weeks. They've launched their iPhone 6. Are you impressed with the iPhone 6? Not really. I think they're all pretty much the same. It's only a slight change in design, a couple of modifications, and that's it. Each time a new spec comes out, they should just wait a little bit longer and then really give us something we want to buy. Yeah, there's not been a huge amount of improvement, have there? It's a fairly disappointing 8 megapixel camera. They're bigger, the screen's sort of nicer, and uh, it's got a few new features, this airdrop and handoff, so you can uh, move your documents between different machines and things like that. I did see another nice little uh, message up on uh, on Twitter. Somebody said, oh, all these lovely new features that you get with the iPhone 6, when are they coming to Android? And the answer was four years ago. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, now you know why I'm an Android girl. So, uh, yeah, Apple is pinning their hopes on some of these new things like handoff, mobile wallet, health apps, and, of course, the iWatch, which actually doesn't look bad, the iWatch. Pricey, but not bad. But uh, they've had a bad time of it. And uh, what's been the big news with the new iPhones? It's bendy. Now, I think if you're daft enough to stick a phone in your back pocket and sit down, it's going to cause a problem, isn't it? Well, I think the thing is, the amount of times you drop your phone, it's put somewhere, something heavy ends up on it in a handbag. I mean, that probably doesn't happen to you, but it certainly does for me. It's going to bend. A back pocket is just a very simple thing. How many people keep wallets, phones, everything in back pockets? If muggers haven't put them off doing it, then I'm sure worrying about a bendy phone isn't as well. And why not just get a case? Well, why should you have to pay extra? Well, if you're going to put a phone in in your pocket and sit on it, surely you'd think maybe I ought to protect it a little bit. Well, I just think they need to make these things a bit more robust, to be honest. Do you know what? I know more people that have had iPhones with smashed screens than any other phone. An iPhone is basically a screen, not like your phone or a blackberry where the screen is a little component of it and you've got a keyboard to protect it and ridges people want slim phones that aren't just a screen and of course if it's just a screen and you drop it it's going to break the screen is that actually what people want or are you just saying that because you think that's what apple have told you everybody wants a slim phone because i can tell you now i definitely don't want a slim phone i have enough problems trying to find my phone in my handbag anyway let alone making it any smaller Well, they're making it bigger but thinner. So it's now so thin that it's uh, got a bit of bendiness. But that's absolutely ridiculous as well. This is like the Samsung, the massive galaxies. You might as well just walk around with an iPad attached to your face. There is absolutely no point. Just a standard size phone. There is no problems with just a normal standard size phone. So there you go. Poor old Apple. They've had a bit of a hard time of it. I can't say I've got too much sympathy for them. They released iOS 8. And they had to pull all the health apps because they weren't working. Then they brought out 801 as a patch to fix it and you couldn't make any phone calls for a week. That was hilarious, wasn't it? I've just enjoyed it so much. It's just one thing after another after another. I mean, I understand there's a lot of pressure and demand to get these things out very quickly and make sure you're beating your competitors. But my God, they need to test them better. I got an update on my phone two days ago saying 802 is now available. Would you like to install it? And I thought, I'll just leave it a little bit no rush 
Can I tell you something that's really frustrating me with Apple at the moment and their updates? You always need more gigabytes, more gigabytes, more gigabytes to download them. I don't have any gigabytes left for the amount of downloads I'm having to do for software updates. Well, I've got a few spare gigs. Do you want me to email you some? Well, if you wouldn't mind. And of course, we've also had U2 updates. Whether you like it or not, you've had a free U2 album downloaded to your device. That's caused a few bits of amusement. But of course, this isn't the first time we've had all the stock problems Privacy issues with iPhones, tracking your data, and of course, AntennaGate, if you remember that, where you had to learn how to re-hold the phone because it didn't work if you held it in your hand. Any sympathy? No, not really. Though I'd love to see what Steve Jobs would have had to say about it. (laughs) No sympathy from us, and uh, I think uh, it's pretty much Android all the way now, isn't it? It is indeed. I've told you. I've told you for years. Hi, this is uh, John Chalice. Boise, you may know me better as from Only Fools and Horses. And you're listening to Frequency Cast, the UK's technology radio show, you lucky people. <laughs> right, we were talking earlier in the show about charity fundraising stunts and all this kind of stuff. I have to say, at the moment, my favourite charity, the Air Ambulance. I've actually seen um, a very bad motor accident before and been right at the front of the traffic when an air ambulance has been needed. It's quite amazing how much money they actually need to keep them flying. And we were lucky enough to spend a little bit of time with a local air ambulance. This is the service that covers Hertfordshire and Essex. And uh, we spent a little bit of time up at their airbase, which was absolutely fascinating. Captain Nicky Smith, I'm the pilot of the Essex Air Ambulance. So you're in charge of flying this. How many days a week, uh, on average, are you on standby, ready to fly? Well, we've got three pilots flying the two helicopters, the Essex and the Hearts helicopters. So we end up doing around about four shifts a week. Uh, we work seven days a week uh, in a fairly irregular shift pattern, so uh, you can be working all sorts of uh, days, odd days here and there. Once you've got the call to scramble, what kind of information are you given from a pilot's perspective to give you a feel for what to expect? I only need one piece of information, and that's where we're going. The way that the information comes in from our control desk is in a very strict order, and the first piece of information will be the nearest town or large village. I'll then go straight out to the helicopter and get the helicopter started up. What that enables me to do is to start thinking about which direction are we going, uh, what are we going to encounter en route, what airspace will there be, Uh, what, for example, gliding sites or paragliding sites that we're going to have to avoid. Um, And I can also speak to our air traffic here and just inform them which direction we're going. And that allows other aircrafts that are in our circuit here to anticipate that we will be taking off pretty shortly. We will be going in a straight line and it gives them the chance to avoid us and also for me to listen out and find out what other traffic is around um, and so we can avoid them as well. Okay, so you're in the air, you're heading off to a town that maybe you're not overly familiar with. How do you pick your landing site? Obviously, you've got obstructions and trees and cables to worry about. Do you do that from site yourself or do you get some kind of briefing before you touch down? No briefing before we touch down. Uh, We do it all visually from the air. We work together as a crew of three, particularly the pilot and the paramedic. The doctor as well uh, provides really useful um, eyes out on the right-hand side of the aircraft. So we'll first of all identify where the patient is or where the scene of the accident is, and then I'll orbit the aircraft. And while we do that, 
we'll be thinking about partly what's happened to the patient, what the mechanism is, and picking up all sorts of useful information about what assets are on scene, but also deciding where the most suitable landing site might be, thinking about access from that landing site to the patient. Then when we've decided on what the most suitable landing site is, we're then looking at that to decide what hazards there are. The equipment on the helicopter that uh, that you're, you're flying, do you have any special tools that a normal helicopter pilot would have? Have you got the equivalent of a, of a sort of a sat-nav device that uh, gives you any assistance? Um, it's actually very simple. This helicopter, the MD-902 Explorer, is a really straightforward helicopter. It's perfect for air ambulance, very quick to start up, very quick to shut down. It's a relatively quiet helicopter. In terms of equipment, we don't fly in cloud, we don't fly at night, so we don't need lots of detailed instrumentation other than the very basic stuff that every aeroplane every helicopter comes with we do have a moving map a gps system so not dissimilar to your to sat nav that you would have in a car a paramedic who's trained in in aviation techniques um, will draw a line on a map we use old-fashioned maps we use a to z's we use ordnance survey maps etc so they'll draw a line on a map um, and provide information and also the paramedic will input the grid reference into the navigation system um, so that that presents a display which is a useful backup louise rosson and i'm a critical care paramedic you're sitting here basically in the crew room with the with the crew just talk me through the process of a call out as one of the paramedics working on the air ambulance, um, I work also work in the control room um, on part of my rotor, as do my colleagues at the other air ambulances. And we sit in a specialised area in the control room known as the critical care desk um, and we sit with a dispatcher and we look through the entire calls 999 calls coming into the whole region so the whole of uh, the east of England um, and we're sifting through uh, looking for calls that we as a team normally go to um, where we think the patients are going to benefit from critical care and um, we can call them back um, speak to the crews that are on scene or if it sounds sort of pretty nasty straight away we can send out straight away so when that process happens this red phone will, will call here my colleague who's in the in the control room today will pass us the details as um captain nikki explained as the pilot's gone out to start the helicopter i'm plotting a line on the map so i know the heading for the pilot the time so the eta so the doctor can let the control room know once we've lifted my name's Dr Matt O'Mara. I'm a critical care doctor who's currently undertaking a eight-month comment with Essex and Hertfordshire Air Ambulance. So if I've got this correct, at every single flight there's the, uh, the pilot, a paramedic and a doctor. And normally a doctor wouldn't travel in a road ambulance, so this is obviously a very specialist service that you provide. Yeah, so the um, enhanced skills that the doctor can bring are really uh, brought home by the fact that we work as a team with both a critical care trained doctor but also a critical care paramedic. Um, and that's reflected in the fact that we train together and um, work together. Um, in combination with what you've heard from Louise in terms of tasking to specific incidents, what we try and do is focus our efforts on the sickest and the most injured patients who are out on the road uh, whose needs aren't necessarily going to be able to be met by the statutory ambulance service. Um, and in the UK, that involves uh, charity-funded uh, air ambulances, which are based regionally, and the two that we're working with today here are Essex, based at Holscon, and Hertfordshire, based at North Weald Airfield. So presumably the responsibility falls to you to make a decision as to which uh, hospital or facility to, to go to, is that right? You've got to make that sort of life-or-death judgment call and then uh, uh, direct the team to, uh, to head off in that direction, is that right? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a team sport and, and often I'm, I'm actually from uh, the Midlands originally and relatively new to this area. And so, and so of course, you look to the your paramedical colleagues, both uh, uh, on the aircraft, but also on the road, uh, who might know where um, the not only the best, but the most appropriate at that particular time uh, to get the intervention that that patient needs. What we're able to do in this uh, system with the helicopter is both get that patient to the right hospital rather than necessarily the nearest hospital. Here's the big question. The Air Ambulance Service is a charity. Why is this not built into the the standard NHS service? Well, I think in the UK, this is a line that that, um, has emerged because because there wasn't a provision for air ambulances and charities have emerged um, to very gratefully support the pre-hospital work that we're able to do for that. Um, If you look at other systems such as America or Europe, um, they are much more mainstream, integrated into those uh, countries' healthcare systems, but those healthcare systems are funded in very different ways. And for a national health service that's... um, uh, are very efficient in terms of the services it provides for the money it does. It has to make difficult decisions about what's important, and I think the air ambulance world becomes the uh, uh, the cherry on the icing of the cake, um, which which you would want absolutely uh, when you're when you have your car crash or your heart attack. Um, you would want the skills that we're able to bring to you to to come to bear. So if you get a chance, go to your local air ambulance website, make a donation, and support the excellent work they do. Yes, definitely. Hi, I'm Jay. Jason Bradbury from uh, The Gadget Show, and you're listening to Frequency Cast. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the new series of Gadget Show has started, series number 20 up on Channel 5, and it's all change, isn't it? It is indeed. Another new lineup. Yep, so we've still got Jason, John, and Otis, but she's gone. Rachel Riley, she's left me. It's not right. I know. I, I knew you was going to be devastated. As soon as I heard about it, I thought... Pete is going to be crying in his tea. Admittedly, though, we do have Amy Williams. And when I first saw the announcement that Amy was coming to the uh, the show, I had to look her up because I'd not actually heard of her before. But she's an Olympic gold medalist. Interesting choice for the gadget show. I know. Though we'd love to uh, hear what everybody thinks about Amy, actually. I think she's doing okay so far. Why haven't you had the phone call yet? I honestly don't know. I feel quite devastated. I I try and throw my hat in the ring every time, but I don't know. I'm just not well known enough, I guess. And on the subject of Gadget Show, the dates for next year's Gadget Show Live have been announced. The 8th to the 12th of April, up in Birmingham. I'll see you there, Kelly. Indeed you will. I don't know about you, Kelly, but I'm getting a bit peckish. Are you hungry? I'm actually starving. Do you fancy a pizza? My God, I shouldn't, but yes. Do you know what? Last week I ordered a pizza and now they've got this tracking thing where you can see when it's being made and whether it's being baked and whatever else. The tracking is getting so good, they're now looking at GPS chips in pizza boxes so you can work out where your pizza is and how far away it is. I think that's awesome. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Look, this country owns or part owns quite a lot of geostationary communication satellites and it's still difficult to know what time the pizza's turning up. Yeah, but you don't need that in a pizza box. What a waste. The reason I mention this is I ordered a phone the other week and it came through a courier company that uh, I see their vans out a lot and I've had stuff through them before. DPD, come across them? I have actually and quite recently I had a mattress delivered. Well, I had a phone delivered and I got a little text message saying your parcel's on its way with a link to a tracking app. And this has got to be the best thing I've seen. It has a little picture of where the van is, a little picture of my house. And it says, 
Your delivery will be between 12.46 and 13.46. Your driver is Colin. He's making delivery number eight and your delivery 75. And you can see his progress. And he got to the top of my road and I opened the door and went, hello, Colin, and he handed it over. That's what it should be. Pizza, you want the same. I have to admit, I do love this service. It is something that just makes life so much easier. Did you also get the option of, I'm not in, please drop it next door, something like that. It's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, big shout out to DPD, because I think their tracking stuff is brill. I want to see this from pizza companies. I want to see this from other courier companies. All my junk mail, I want GPS tracked. I want it all. Yeah, great. Frequency cast, now loading, interaction. Time for your feedback. Not a lot of it in this show. It's a little bit of a quiet one on feedback. So uh, maybe either we didn't make any mistakes last month or uh, we answered everyone's questions. What do you think? Oh, let's just hope it's a combination of the both. (laughs) That'd be nice. The first one in the mailbox, though, is from Stephen Wilton. Yes, he says, Hi guys, you mentioned about the 360 panoramic photos for iOS and Android. I've got that built into my HTC M8 as part of the camera apps. Yes, now some smartphones do have panoramic built in, but the sphere thing isn't just your typical panoramic where you basically have the view in front of you. This does up and down as well. I know we talked about this briefly in the last show, but I've actually been taking some of these because I think some of these images are brilliant. This one I took on the um, Emirates ride over the Thames in London, you know, the little cable car thing. So that's the panoramic, which is sort of 180 degrees, but this does the whole 360. Oh, yes, you can see the ceiling there. Oh, fantastic. So this should give you the floor and the ceiling. Now, this is a bit of a botch. I didn't do a very good job of this, but you can actually get a whole bubble. The one that was slightly better, this is up the roof of a building uh, where I was helping fix a transmitting aerial. And you can see there's, so there's the skyline. Yeah, very, very nice. And then you can go up to the top of the aerial and then right the way down and see the floor as well. So um, a little bit more than just your panoramic view there. Proper 360 spheres. Mm, Very nice. Yep, thanks very much for that one, Stephen. Uh, The next one was from Peter McKenzie. Yes, he said, At the end of a recent prom, the announcer revealed that some proms were being transmitted in 4.0 surround. I googled prom surround. I have the necessary equipment but cannot get this to work. I have a MacBook Pro with the latest Chrome browser, an Oppo Universal player with HDMI inputs, multi-channel preamp, power amps and speakers. The system sounds superb on proms on TV via Freeview HD. Can you advise how to set this up? The BBC say they cannot advise about individual setups. And to be honest, I'm not sure how much help we can really offer on this one either, but we'll give you a little bit of information. The thing you're referring to there is uh, 4.0 surround sound that BBC Radio 3 have been using. Now, they say on their website that you can use this surround sound either using a sound card that has at least four outputs, or if your surround sound amplifier and computer both have HDMI, then that should work too. If you're going down the HDMI route, then what you would do is take an HDMI lead from the MacBook to the HDMI input on your amp. If you don't have that, it won't work. We found a very detailed setup guide uh, and answers to very common questions up on the BBC's blog, where there's also a number of comments from people that have tried it. So go to our website. You'll find a good link to some information on that one. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, Who's the next one from, Kelly? 
The next one's from Sung Min. He says, I noticed on Pete's Twitter he posted a photo of a delivery from Three. Of course, that's the one where we were chatting earlier about the, uh, the tracking. A phone from Three turned up from a lovely chap called Colin. Anyway, he says, Just wanted to say I switched to Three after being with Orange or EE for 10 years because I was fed up of their terrible paid customer service and higher costs. My new Three contract gives me unlimited 4G, free roaming in many countries and free tech support. Just shows it's worth moving to a smaller group sometimes. Do you know what I have to say? I do like three. I use them for a mobile dongle and, and mobile MiFi uh, when I'm out and about doing events and the like. But I picked up this little phone here. This is an Android phone, 40 quid from three, courier to my door the next day. And it's brilliant. This is actually, oh, you haven't hold this yet. Hold that. Look, look. What do you think to that? Well, it seems all right. That's our new frequency cast phone. Our old phone finally died. The battery just packed up. So that is our new frequency cast phone ready to receive text messages from listeners. And do you know what? It hasn't buzzed once since I've got it. Oh, no. Listener, if you're out there and want to send us a message to prove that this phone works, what's our number, Kelly? It's 07882043521. And uh, we're waiting for your text. Get them in quick. And while we're waiting for your text, here's a message from Russell Wutu. He says... Can you tell me if I need a BT landline from Openreach to receive Sky? Or is phone and broadband supplied through the dish? Okay, with Sky TV, you get the TV service delivered through a satellite dish. The phone and the broadband do come through copper wire through either a BT or a Sky phone line. So uh, if you want to, uh, to get your phone through Sky, it won't come through a satellite dish. You do need a landline. It's important to note as well, when you sign up to Sky, you are actually required to have a phone line to use the Sky box. And that's because if you order a pay-per-view movie, they need to connect to your box to find out about your purchases. If for any reason you want to get Sky TV, but you haven't got a landline, and there's more and more of us not getting landlines these days, then you can phone them up and they will do an install that doesn't need a phone line. Hope that answers your question, Russell. Hmm, interesting. You never knew that. Apparently it's about 25 quid extra if you want a satellite dish and Sky, but you haven't got a phone line. You have to pay extra to have something less. Well, this is because Sky want to know what you're watching and they want to be able to talk to your box and see what you're up to. And it's more hassle for them if you haven't got an automatic phone line plugged in. So they charge you a little bit more to cover the hassle. Or to cover the hassle, more like to collect all of our data so that they can use that for other reasons. How ridiculous. Oh, you conspiracy theorist, you. Oh, well, I don't care. I'm on one now. There you go. So if you think Sky is spying on you or you've got another question you want to ask us, there's several ways you can get in touch. How can people talk to us, Kelly? You can call us and leave us a voicemail. The number is 0208 133 Or you can send us a text on the phone that Colin brought us. What's the text number? 07-882-043-521. It's the cost of a standard text. Or you can send us an email via the Contact Us button on our website. And we're waiting very patiently to hear from you, aren't we, Kelly? Well, I'm not so patient, so just get in touch. Frequency Cast. Shut down in progress. Thanks for listening to today's Frequency Cast. For news updates and to get in touch with us, go to frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Frequency Cast. 
Our shows are driven by your feedback, so please get in touch and tell your friends.